Amen. Well, everybody feel free to have a seat if you haven't already, and join me in some prayer. Lord, we give you thanks today that together we can be magnifying and glorifying your name, that together we can also come before you with honesty, the ways that we haven't always fallen your, followed your ways. So Lord, we, we ask that you would give us humility as your people also, that as we seek to, to seek uh, out your ways and to find your love, we humble ourselves now. Lord, looking back on this past week, there are things in which we have done. There are also things which we left undone, both of which led to either hurting others or not helping others, to either hurting your creation or not cultivating and healing your creation. Lord, we confess this. But Lord, also we know that for each, each one of those ways we've walked away from you, each, each of those ways that we have sinned before you, your promise is that we have been washed completely clean. Your promise is that our, our lives now are hidden in your perfection. Lord, we give you thanks that on the cross that you took each and every sin with you. That as you rose again, you showed in such a visible way that nothing now is holding us back from you. That nothing is holding us back from our, our eternal life with you in this place that you, you promised to have been prepared for us, this heaven. Lord, I pray that you would fill our hearts, each one of us here in this space and online, that you would fill our hearts once more with the conviction that when we put our faith in you as Jesus, as the fullness of God, that we can receive, that we can once again receive the confidence that we have been rescued and saved. We can once again be filled with this conviction that there's nothing that can hold us and keep us away from these promises that you have given to us. Thank you, Lord. We magnify your name, and for that reason, we are here to praise you and to proclaim this good news, to share this good news, this gospel. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, so happy to be with each of you here and inside, particularly today. I opened my car door, and it just slammed right back shut. Luckily, I didn't have my leg out yet, because that would have hurt. If you're wondering, I had ankle surgery uh, two weeks ago now, and uh, just repairing the joint. The bummer is I have to not put any weight on this thing for six weeks. So, luckily there has not been a lot of pain, but a lot of <laughs> changing of every rhythm. And particularly, if you're going to pray for me, don't. Pray for my wife, Christy. She's the one that's bearing the brunt of this, having to now care for basically a third child in her home. We're going to be taking a second step into our series. This series is called Live His Love. And last week, Pastor Dan was with us, and, and he was able to begin the series. What we're going to do each week is read the entire passage. So this is 1 Corinthians 13. And each week, we'll read verses 4 down through verse 8. 
And then we'll be dissecting this almost verse by verse from here until, until Resurrection Sunday. So let me, let me read for us again. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 8. The word of the Lord. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. This is the word of the Lord, and we give thanks to God that we, we have it, and we can now concentrate on it. And I invite you to pray with me so that we can invite the Lord to help us with our understanding. We ask now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would, would illuminate our hearts and minds, that, it would, that you would be with us now. Only by, by your presence can we truly understand what you would say to us. We ask that you would now give us this ability, that with, as we meditate on these words together, that it would be something that we can comprehend, but it would also descend into our hearts so that we would better understand who you are, who we are, and what you have called us into. We ask this in your name, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And it does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not good. It keeps no record of wrongs. Our current task is finding a positive grip on, on our lives in this past year, which has been so full of negativity. I think more naturally, we're drawn to the negative. In fact, I think even naturally, we linger on the negative and, and we kind of wallow in our, in our own predicaments. Naturally, we grab onto that and we, we want to feel the pain. Not so naturally, perhaps, do we, in the midst of the suffering, also try and understand how we can be growing and how the Lord will be using every moment of our lives, even the hardships, to be creating something like a mosaic out of the broken glass of our life. So in this series, what we're doing is we're trying to um, harness the potential of this moment where everything grab the microphone should I grab the microphone You're sc- I can't reach it go to Shana's right here I could try and reach it and then you'd all just see me live fall over Yeah, so in our, in our 
past year, as we've had everything stripped away, as we've been forced to reckon with a life of simplicity at times, just me and my house or me with my family, um, it's also giving us an opportunity. It's giving us an opportunity to uh, search, investigate deep down what was at the base of our life, what it, what it was that we were doing, what do we want to keep doing, what do we perhaps want to change. When I was first, well, actually, I was still in seminary. I was about to graduate seminary. Um, and I went on to work with a church uh, in Philadelphia. And when I first started working at this church, there was another, uh, there was another person on staff that from the very first moment I, I walked into the offices looked at me strange. And throughout the first, I'd say, month or so of being in the church, I noticed that this person always was suspicious of everything I was doing. Everything I was doing was always under scrutiny. And there were times in which I might describe that the, the person was, um, was cold towards me. Have you ever been with someone, you can tell they, they have something against you? You can, just, you can just read them, you can feel it. Three months go by, I'm on staff at this church, and eventually the head of staff, the pastor, uh, calls me into a meeting with this other person. So I walk into the office, the head pastor, we sit down, there's three chairs, and the pastor says, I, I think that, in talking to the other person, I think that you might have some things that you need to say to get off your chest. Oh my goodness. It was like opening up Pandora's box. Immediately, immediately this person began to attack me. This person that I hadn't really known that well yet began to attack me and, and describe all the things that I was doing to bring the ministry of the church down and all these, all these ways that I was, I was um, undermining her and, and in her role in the church and all these things. It, is, it made no sense. It turns out, she, in the end of what she was saying, that she had this fear in her. She had this fear in her that I had been brought in to eventually take over her job and kick her out of the church even though I had no desire to do the type of ministry that she was doing. As you look at these first couple verses, there's something that I can see that's holding them all together and something that will keep us away from, from, from implementing, from enfleshing this kind of God-defined love. And it is a myth of scarcity or a lie of scarcity that each of us have been fed. And it began back in the garden when the snake slithers up to Eve and asks Eve, can you really trust God? Is there really enough good to go around? And does God really have your interests in mind? And ultimately, a lie was sewn into the fabric of each one of us through that moment, a lie that lives here and now, that there's actually not enough, and that God is not going to give us our portion, and that we need, with, we need to be more concerned with 
caring for ourselves and providing for ourselves. That lie, this lie that there's not enough to go around, this lie of scarcity was, was, was alive and well in the heart of this person that I had begun to work with. Lie that, that was telling this person that you, need, you can't trust what's happening. Even though we're in a church, you can't trust what's happening here. This person's out to get you. You need to protect what's yours. Sin is ultimately that which separates us from other people. If you notice that, when, when God, what God defines as sin are, are things that, that separate us either from God himself or from other people. Sin as separation is an idea that one of the great Bible thinkers, Tillich, really developed. In our lives, in the ways that we don't follow the Lord God, in the ways that he has designed us to live, the problem is that we become separated from other people. That there is this lie within our hearts that there's not enough to go around. And the sin is when we stop depending upon the Lord for everything and we begin to take the fruit off the tree for ourselves. Only, only when we understand the truth of the gospel that, that in fact there's nothing that can separate us from God's love and that in fact even in the deepest, darkest valleys, even with the shadows of death itself, that the Lord God is still with us and providing for us until we can embrace that gospel that Jesus promised will even overflow in us. It says there is an abundance of life that I'm offering you, an overflowing of life that I'm offering you. Until we're willing to take steps of faith to believe that, and it does take faith, because our and our ears are always telling us something else. We see this new person come on staff in our workplace, and our minds immediately start gaming and planning it out. Can I really trust what's happening here? Isn't this person really out to get me? With this lie of scarcity in our hearts, automatically everyone else in our lives become opposition. Instead of other people being this brother or sister that God has created, they become opposition to finding what's mine and what's, what's coming for me. I want to read Hosea chapter 1. Because this, this lie of scarcity also could be described as where we are placing our love and how we're defining our loves. Hosea was one of the prophets that God had raised up. This is well before the time of Jesus and the, the times of, of Israel and, and the heydays of Israel. And this prophet is raised up. And I want you to hear what, what God tells to this prophet, what, what this prophet is supposed to do. This is verse 2 of Hosea 1. When the Lord began to speak through Hosea, the Lord said to him, Go, marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her. For like an adulterous wife, this land is guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. Oof. <laughs> right, that's not very sugar-coated. <laughs> that's, that's something that we can actually appreciate about, 
about God. As, and when Jesus walked among us, didn't feel like it was in our best interest to sugarcoat the truth, which is good for us. We need to, we need to be able to look squarely into the eyes of truth so that we can respond appropriately. So what's God saying here? He is not about to be in some sort of a three-way relationship. In Revelation, we, we see the church being called to return to its first love. I think this is a season for the church, for each one of us to return to that first love. Instead of following other loves in this, in this life that might even put us in the eyes of God into adulterous relationships, we need to have it all correctly ordered. So God has given each of you amazing things to value and cherish and even to love in this world, right? Parents love children. Children love parents. Spouses love one another. We have, we have jobs and we have um, hobbies that we get into, sports, sports teams for some of us that we get into. And all of these are wonderful ways to enjoy the creation and to enjoy also loving things. But the problem is when they become our first love. The problem is when our roots of our life start going deep down into our spouse for our meaning, for our ultimate sense of purpose, for our salvation, instead of our roots going deep down into the Lord God. Paul says in a letter he wrote to the Philippian church, this is the fourth chapter of Philippians 12th verse, he said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him, through Christ, who gives me strength. We can do all things when we are taking that step of faith and willing, willing to offer ourselves to the Lord, the Lord Jesus, and in that time then to be filled completely to overflowing, an abundance of overflowing in our lives of strength. Because then nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing can happen to any one of you in this world that could take and sap you and drain you of that of that overfilling presence of Jesus and God in your life. Receiving the love of Christ is something that, that makes good in this world. Because when you are filled with the appreciation, with the love, with knowing that, that ultimately that God has prepared this heaven for you, and that's where we're going, then, then you start to be able, this is what the Holy Spirit can do with us, Jesus came to break the chains that enslave us to this lie of scarcity. When Jesus comes, ultimately dying on a cross, and in rising to life, he proves that there is abundance. And there now has been this freeing of humanity, where the chains, to, that, chains that would enslave us to the sin of separation, the, the chains that would enslave us to this lie of scarcity, He's now proven we no longer need to be there. 
that now each one of us can be filled to overflowing with the love of God, which when that happens, I can now look at each one of you and not feel threatened. In that moment when I was in the room with the pastor and this other person on staff, she unloaded. and she, I mean, she did not hold back any punches. And as I was sitting there, by the grace of God, and I mean that, <laughs> being filled with the Holy Spirit in that moment, I, I moved to compassion for this person. This was nothing that I could have done on my own. This was, this was the Lord showing up for me, the Holy Spirit filling me, and allowing me to have compassion for this other person as they were railing against me and accusing me of all sorts of things. But I filled with compassion, and I responded in such a way, when I was given my option, I responded in such a way that was grace-filled and that was bridge-building. In that moment, and, and trust me, there have been plenty of other times in my life where I've not done this. <laughs> there have been plenty of other times in my life when my response has been to defend myself and to, and to uh, try and guard myself. But in that moment, filled with the Holy Spirit, but thank, thank you, Lord, I was able to respond with grace and to reach out humbly with, with bridge building. Three months later, Three months later, we were invited over to this person's home where she and her husband and Christy and myself gathered and had a beautiful meal together. And, and, and a friendship that had, been, that had been blossoming. And I know that's only possible because in that moment, in that room, in that office, a miracle happened. Thanks to the Lord, thanks to the ways that he has broken in our lives this enslavement to this lie of scarcity. In that moment, a miracle happened in which I was able to overcome that. The Holy Spirit could use me as an instrument to, again, reconnect to people. For each one of us, there's going to be times, I know, in this next week when this, this serpent will slither up to you and will whisper into your heart that there's not enough. And you need to make sure that you're guarding what's yours. That this person doesn't have your best interest in mind, and so you need to put shields up. You need to go DEFCON 3, whatever it is in your life. My prayer is that as, as followers of Christ and those seeking to follow Christ, that we in those moments would ask, oh, Lord, I need to be filled right now with your presence because I can, I can feel what's brewing inside of me. I can feel that lie alive and well. Lord, help me right now. Lord, help me right now to be an ambassador of reconciliation in this world. Help me right now to implement these words. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. 
It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Let me pray for us. Now, Father, we ask that in this next week that you would give each of us in those moments we, where we are filled with, with the, the, the wave of the lie of scarcity, that, in that moment that we're feeling like the need to defend ourselves, in that moment in which we, even we might feel like we need to go on, on an aggressive position to, to push people back, in those moments when we, we are tempted to sin and to separate, Lord, I pray that you would give us the grace to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice like you did, in order to be the healing balm, to be the healing agent, to be your ambassadors of reconciliation. Lord, I know that there, there, are, there are many types of people here that are either fully committed to you as Lord and Savior or who are trying to understand what that means and who are even willing to follow you before understanding fully. Lord, I, I pray that in doing this, you'll continue to, to show who you are to us. Lord, give us confidence, each one of us, no matter where we are in our walks of faith. Give us confidence to try and to live by your example, to try and put your word into life, flesh your word in our own lives, to be this brand, your brand of love. Lord, I pray that your spirit will give us all that we need in this week because we know that we are weak and we need you to do it. Lord, you are our our saving grace, both in the moments in this week when we will feel weak, but also ultimately in this life that leads to the next. We know that you are uniquely in a position to raise our souls to you in heaven. You are uniquely in a position as our Lord, knowing what it is to truly be human knowing what it will truly take to heal this world. As such, Lord, we do. We do call you Lord. We do call you Savior. Oh, Father, we offer you our lives in this week, asking that if it is your will, that you would use us, that you would use us to be the bridge Use us to reconnect people to you, to others, to their purpose. Lord, use our church that we might be the epicenter of your reconciliation. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.